Welcome to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a series of conversations by, with, and for Vermonters with disabilities. We're talking about disability in Vermont, the Green Mountain State. On this episode, a conversation between Dr. Winnie Luby and Dr. Safakar Kamabu Pamei. Dr. Kamabu Pamei recounts her experience of disability, from contracting polio as a child in Ghana to a tragic accident that impacted her mobility, and how the support of her mother and her faith helped position her to grasp hold of educational and entrepreneurship opportunities. Let's listen. Um, so good morning, Safakwar. Good morning, Prof. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, so our first question um, is, could you share a little bit about your personal connection and experience with disability? Thank you, Prof. Gluby. Yeah. My personal connection, um, anytime I have a question like this, I always ask myself, where do I start from? So I got polio at the age of eight. Um, so in other words, I have walked or danced, jumped before or ran before. So um, in a, a very uh, fast moment, then I became paralyzed because of the, the polio. I got polio, even though my mom or we had the polio vaccine, I was told it was um, expired because the then government hoarded the medicines. So it affected me. So I par- I'm paralyzed in my lower part. So since eight, oh, let me say eight years now, I have been sitting down for some time now. That's what I see. So I got polio physically and I am not able to do any other things. Um, uh, but I walk a little bit with braces and uh, and uh, um, crutches back home in Ghana. Then the worst happened because the polio affected my left hand and my left leg, sorry. And my right leg, which was very strong for me that I used to jump over and do so many things on, became my baby leg just because um, that was during my um, first degree at the University of Cape Coast. I was going for lectures on the top, uh, what we call the SRT top, uh, which was the third floor. And one of my crutches got broken in the process of climbing up. Mm. And I somersaulted. I fell from the third floor to the down and I actually broke my kneecap of the right leg. In other words, the, the strong leg that was really my life and my everything because those days that I was using the, the braces, I was using the braces on the um, left one to support the right one uh, so that I could work with the braces. So since that time, and uh, 2006, I had never been able to walk again just because uh, my kneecap is shifted. And that is my baby leg because I'm not able to um, stand up anymore. Even though when we went to the hospital, they looked at the knee. There, are, there were two issues, so dicey. One was uh, we didn't have knee specialists. And two was even if they would try, it's, it's, it might not be the same. So um, the advice is I better just sit down. So that's why I now use a wheelchair or scooter anywhere I go, just because this leg pains me. I still feel the pain. I'm not able to stand on it. 
because um, the kneecap is at a different place. So, yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, that is how close I have touched base with disability. Mm-hmm. And um, I have lived all my life um, dealing with issues of disability. Thank you very much. Thank um, you. So my next question is, um, I'd love to hear about um, your work that you have uh, your own nonprofit in Ghana. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Thank you for that question also. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing we always say is nothing about us without us. About disability, we have a lot of people working with us on the um, on the road to make things work. I became so much, let me use the word, aggressive mm-hmm. in this contest uh, in disability issues in Ghana when I realized that even at the highest level of education, that was where I got my disability more complicated and without any support. Because when I fell at the university, they sent me to the hospital, uh, not the university, but friends and all my trauma, all the things that I went through. Um, nobody knows, nobody cares because the, 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 there was no system there to support people like, like us on campus. I had this happening there, even though I had my, my first disability, which was another trauma because when I had my disability, that was the, 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 the piece of, uh, or the, the juncture at which my parents got this divorce because um, to my dad, I became a case. That is cultural issue there because in my culture, when somebody has a disability, that person is perceived as um, an object of curse. Anything evil is you. So even though I must go back a little, even though my name Safako means somebody who makes you happy when you are sad or depressed, when you see me, because my parents were happily married, wedded, and interestingly, they were bargaining. At those days, my mom told me how they were uh, bargaining on names like if I should be a boy, I will be this name, if I should be a girl. And there I popped out to be a girl. Both of them agreed to give me Safako uh, because I am their joy. But on the contrary, I became the case object immediately at that eight years uh, I, that I got a polio, I became a case object to my dad. And the easiest thing he could do that time was to run away from us. He just wrote on a paper and put it on a table for my mom that morning and left and said, I can't live with that thing. And that thing is me, right? So I had those traumas with my mom already. She was struggling as a single mom in a community which always looks at people who are different uh, different in any case or disability of any type let's not talk even about invisible disability because we don't even know them. So I had physical disability. All of a sudden, the joy, the Safako girl, who is the one to brighten everybody's uh, corner, became the case object. And that was a trauma already. Anywhere that we passed through, my mom and I, we never had it easy. And I climbed the educational ladder. One thing that my mom used to say about this situation, she would call me every morning, as young as I, I was, 
And I grew up with that. I must also say that I grew up with my mom being a Christian. So I am brought up with the Christian values. And that is one thing that stood out very strong for me. And I grew up with it. Why? Because everybody around me sees me to be a cursed thing, right? During those days, I didn't know because my mom, um, I would say my mom up to date, even though she's late, I lost my mom in 2018, but I always say my mom because I can see her still alive with me. So even though that time, um, her education level, she was a mere librarian, right? And she doesn't have enough or she, I mean, in terms of education, she's educated to that level. And that time, people who had disability, you might either find yourself in a way of they would throw you away in the evil forest in the 60s and 70s, or um, they will hide you, they will lock you up. But there was this woman who will carry me outside at her back as long as I was at the age of eight, very tall, and she will carry me at her back and still make sure that she sent me to her library to put me under her table as she was going through her daily chores or daily activities in the library, she'll put books around me to be reading, even though people around, I mean, frowned at it that this girl must be locked inside. When you are coming to work, you mustn't bring this girl to work, you know? That was the environment. And she will sit me down every morning before we left home, she would sit me down. Hey, Sefako, you are a child of God. You are created in another image of God. This is a, a different image. You are a different image. You are beautiful. Everything around you is beautiful. You are my child who was running and you are still my child who is sitting down here. She will pump those things in my mind every single day in the morning and she will give me a mirror like this. She will give me a mirror like, look at yourself, look at you. And she will be tapping me, look at yourself. You are so beautiful. Oh, my daughter, you are so beautiful. That was how my mom psyched me. She psyched me that I'm so valuable. And she always said that, you know what? You can always add value to yourself when you go to school, when you read, when you know everything, when you add value to yourself through education, people will also respects you and add value to you. I started growing up with that um, council, uh, whatever I would term, I mean, I would term it, whatever uh, food thoughts every day that she was giving me. I was swallowing that pill every single day. And I grew up to be a teacher, professional teacher of French. And I found myself going to the university to the last year of my first degree, because to me, I had to do it to the highest level. That was the vim in me or the, the passion burning in me to be at the top of educational issues, as my mom said it. Then all of a sudden, I broke down at the university level. And the first thing she actually said was, I don't know if I have ever um, recovered from all the trauma from childhood before this one, because as much as I I climbed the educational ladder, I was becoming more um, disabled or my complications were becoming more what, com uh, uh, complicated or unbearable in, in, in any case. So at that time that I felt it was a double agony. It was a double agony because I was at the highest level of education for me. My mm -hmm. first degree that time, uh, 20, 
two to 2006, that was when I entered the university. It was one of the biggest um, thing in our lives those days when we managed to get to the university. So for me to get this uh, disability complicated at that level, it became a hard nut for me to crack. And mm -hmm. I would say that actually struck the chord for me to do something about this situation. When I was at the hospital, when they were uh, going back and forth and they told me that they can't do anything about me to get me back on my feet because it is so dicey, um, operation, no specialist. And then even if there should be, because I'm grown, my bones are uh, strong, it will be very dicey. It might destroy the leg totally. So I better sit down and endure the pain. That's why I still feel the pain in my right leg. Now, at that point, I realized that something must be done. That was when I started talking to people around, some my friends, some my, 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 my professors mm -hmm. and the community, like we had or we have what we call uh, policies, conventions here and there working for us as a country. Mm -hmm. And we know that people with disabilities are not valued already, but on the international front, we actually have things or instruments that we talk about easily to say they are working for us. So in short, that was when I started mobilizing the people. When I came back home, I started mobilizing people in my community uh, in Sawam about disability issues. And it was very fast. That time, there was this common fund established by the government. That is the disability uh, common fund. We call it DACF. The DACF was to uh, relieve the, the people with disabilities uh, from poverty. And interestingly, when I got there, um, because that was where I was posted to, to work in the education office, the, the Ghana Education Service Office as the resource center coordinator. So I was working with every student, every child with disability that time across the whole municipality. And that was the biggest deal for me, going through my pain myself and seeing the children also suffering. And politics is played around here differently that, oh, we have a common fund working for everybody and uh, students can assess it. Uh, those who want to learn trades like tailoring, seamstressing, hairdressing, or those craft arts work, they can assess it. But my people were still on the ground. They didn't even know about it. You will hear it in the, in the media that we had this policy, we have this fund. And I was like, wait a minute. I started diving into that gradually. As I go on the field, see the children suffer. Some were locked up because the, the, the parents are not even uh, mentally um, I mean, ready to release their children to be seen in the open. Then... Uh, education is calling them that we are, I mean, we have created places for you to come to school, schools which are not accessible, right? Then politics is also on the other ground. So I was in that situation, learning all these pieces and putting them together. And that was when I put my people together that there was one strong requirement that we needed to put ourselves together as a community of people with disabilities. That's was the recommendation by the government. If you want to assess this fund, people must exist in that group. There, the beginning was very effective for me. I talked to people in the, in the houses. I told them, uh, 
those who I go to school with my, my other colleagues um, who are in the education office, where we go for what we call a spam school, pre, uh, school performance appraisal meetings. We go with them. After doing that, I ring, I make them ring the gong or the bell. And I, I show myself to the student and ask them, do you have people like me in your homes, in your communities? Tell them to bring them to our office. I'll register them. I started registering these children with their parents and also those who have actually grown and put them together. And we founded uh, this organization. But the interesting piece is we needed the fund. The fund was what we needed to actually assess. And I started uh, the, the, the processes. It wasn't that easy because there were blockages here and there. And I started going on air. Interestingly, when people realized that I was putting these people together, there were other like-minded people who I call the destiny changes at the point for people with disabilities because they are big men. They have money. They are in the churches. They will call me that. I think you can do this and I want to support you, you know? So I started going to small radio stations talking about the pressing issues affecting children with disabilities in the house, in the school system, and how the government says these are in the school system, which don't exist. And I started talking about those issues through the media, on the radio, that before I realized, I see myself on the TV. That is how I, I, I metamorphosized to, to the media. And all of a sudden, I see myself talking about these issues, basing most of the facts on my own experiences and the professional work I was doing in the communities with children with disability as a resource center coordinator, and also noticing the people who I work with who have no power because disability has nothing to do with them because they have no idea what we are talking about. And putting all those things together, one day I was on the TV station and somebody sent uh, an, a call that the, the people um, that was Ghana television, we call it GTV, and talked to somebody that after my pre pre um, presentation, the person would like to see me. And that person, uh, not to see me physically, but to talk to me. So they gave me the number. I called the person and the person said, I think what you are doing, you can do it very much professionally. Do you want to go to school? And I was like, yes. I need to go to school, but I don't know how because now I, 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 all I know is I'm in the media and I was excited. And the person was very clear that, you know what, this is the link, write it down. This is Ford Foundation International Scholarship. And I think you need to do that, especially because support your work so that you can do it professionally. Professionally was the word. And I can assure you that was the change or that particular discussion brought a change in my life to date because I went all like that evening and that was the last day of closure of what the, the application I applied even though they asked for references but uh, which should be followed by because I have uh, connections with my professors and people who are my directors who know what I was doing the re reference should have gone with it immediately, but because of time difference, you know, Ghana was ahead of US, uh, or not was, Ghana is ahead of US five hours, four hours, and that was what saved me. I applied and sent the message to my, my, my reference, 
list that time. And immediately the following day, they got to their offices and they wrote the references for me immediately. That is, I always say that it is God's own divine favor on me because I had it immediately. You know how reference at times is so hard for us to give brief references, especially when you don't have time. Right. But my director gave, my, my, my professors gave, and that actually brought me to the U.S., to do my master's in policy analysis and advocacy. My first degree was basically French and English because I was always in, uh, uh, on French level. I was targeting to go to France, you know, that was one thing. But immediately I realized that I needed to shift my mind, everything around me, I needed to enter policy issues because policy was there and that was not effective or implemented. So for me, when I got, Ford Foundation Scholarship, that was the greatest piece for me to do or to learn this and then know how I can apply it on the ground. So in short, um, the work that I do, uh, I would say, and I must also mention that SIT School for International Training has also played a very big role in my journey because when I came to learn uh, at SIT, I changed so many things because things that I was fighting for uh, in Ghana in terms of inaccessible situations of school environment and all those stuff for my myself and my student, I came to do the same thing here. But the good thing is SIT, the leadership had a very uh, open mind to solve problems. You know, that is the, the, the direct opposite of what I was dealing with. I mentioned things which weren't done and they did it to make sure that people with disabilities are included in that uh, school. And interestingly, when I was leaving, I won 10,000 US dollars um, award from SIT, which helped me to officially register my organization and establish it very much or grounded because what happened was that award uh, expects me to do something back home that I was talking about. So in my, thesis by then, I was trying to make sure that schools are so much accessible. And one thing that I asked in my proposal, as uh, we had to give this three minutes uh, pitch those days and win the award on the very big platform in South Carolina, I went to do that and won the 10,000. I wanted to retrofit schools in Ghana, make them accessible for children with disability. And those are public schools to retrofit them. And I did that. But before I even registered my organization, I had a mentor, Peter, from here, SIT, who followed me, came to Ghana, stayed with uh, us uh, for three months to really walk me through the process of NGO and working with people uh, in the community, professionally and also international level. So those were the channels that I passed through and I registered my organization as much as possible uh, establish other branches uh, uh, to make sure that things that we do in our municipality also go to other uh, areas of Ghana. So in short, if you ask me about uh, my organization, this is the story around. I really wanted you to know that it, it, it was a real journey. And people who uh, helped me were just church members or community members who actually were pulled to my vision that I was bringing a change around. And the fact that me being a person with disability, they believe in me because I am doing the actual way that I talk about, walking the talk in the process. Yeah. That's an amazing story, Safakor. I didn't know all of that. That's so cool. That's so Thank cool. You. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
All right, so um, that actually connects to my very last question. Um, I wanted to hear about your summer course, your new summer course at UVM. Yeah, that's, that's a fun piece of it, right? <laughs> yeah, the summer course, Global Disability Studies, um, has been my heartbeat so far, uh, especially when I came to UVM, all the things that I work with with people, um, the community that I found myself in mm -hmm. has actually given me that exposure to also add value to UVM. That is how I see it. So this course, Global Disability Studies, having taught uh, courses like Culture of Disability, EDSP5, and, uh, and then also um, poly race policy and racism, I realized that we have to take this to what? The next level in terms of disability issues globally. You know, one thing that I know very much now is um, we are all talking about inclusion, inclusion, inclusion. But I think there should be a shift of, um, uh, the shift should be around systems change or system uh, uh, power change in terms of global, global issues. So here, here, here is a piece, global disability studies uh, has a very big part, which is advocacy. I see this piece of um, course not lying on the shelf of UVM or, uh, or anybody's shelf, but because these students are going to have a touch or a feel of how issues are outside the US system. Why uh, we have so many people across the nation or the, the continent that are going to be part of this course, like my, my colleague policy analysts and advocates of disability issues in Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, Nigeria, like East Africa, West Africa, and I'm actually connecting with other Asian um, friends of mine to expose us to their systems there, how they are working in line with the UNCRPD, that is the UN Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities, which seems to be the universal tool for every continent except the US, because the US hasn't ratified, right? So yeah. I'm trying to expose us to this particular universal tool, <laughs> connecting it to the individual disability policies that we have in our countries and see how best we as students and workers, professionals can work with those people who come to us here. You know, somebody is an immigrant from uh, Nepal, from Uganda, from Congo. Vermont is full of immigrant populations. The policies there, for instance, we in Ghana, we have disability uh, uh, Acts, what we call Act 715. Uganda is very much strong. They have implemented accessibility policies and they are working on the ground. Um, Nigeria, the same people are working using the investor tool, connecting to the SDGs and especially making them, connecting them to their individual um, laws in their countries. Bringing that home to the ADA, we want to see how we can connect all this new knowledge around the globe to our ADA here and see if what we are holding on to, that ADA is very much working for us as 
entities or as a state, uh, uh, as a country, and therefore we can't ratify the UN Convention. Now, the piece of it that is the advocacy piece. Any student who has this exposure would definitely see the differences and connect to other what global issues easily and can be able to join those of us who are fighting for ratification of the USCRPD in the US system. And the second piece of it is, um, I want this cause to be very close to the people, very close to the people who are immigrant population or who are even um, uh, prof uh, uh, professionals who are working with this immigrant population just because they are not culturally um, competent in some of the disability issues, this platform will expose them to see some of the things that they might do and not do, the do's and don'ts. And one thing that I got to know as a person uh, who came through um, as an international student, it is very hard for us to get what we call reference, common reference. Common reference from professors at times, mm -hmm. until I got to the highest education or the, my PhD program before it was easy for me. But I realized that in my, my process to get reference, it was a hard nut to crack at times. And let alone, as I work with the communities of immigrant population, I got to know that it's even worse in their uh, uh, situation because they don't even know how they will penetrate through the system to enter college when they want to go to college. So at times they will be, uh, I mean, they will devalue themselves that they can't go to college because somebody, they don't know how college courses look like. They don't know how somebody can recommend them that you can do the, you know, as I talk with people on the ground or the grassroots level, I realize that this is a course which can be an opening to anybody who wants to know more about disability and globally himself or other people or herself or another people. And the fact is, as much as they know all these things, what next? That is the piece for me. It is change oriented. This course is change oriented because of the advocacy piece mm -hmm. that some people don't know what we call advocacy. Yes, they'll be exposed, exposed to um, advocacy. At times it's about you yourself, even knowing who you are because some people don't even know uh, themselves, which they can, uh, what we call the self-advocacy, they don't know it. So they can't talk to issues themselves because they have disability. And because the society tagged them like that, that you are a person with disability, you cannot do this, they accept it. This is a cause that you come, we talk about it openly. And then the next level is, are you able to talk on behalf of others, which is the advocacy piece that can change systemic barriers or that can, that, that can remove those type of things that uh, systemic barriers that we talk about openly. But the fact is it opens to everybody. This course is open to undergraduates, graduate professionals, people who want to know about global issues concerning disability policy and advocacy and how we can communicate that culturally across um, mm -hmm the nations and be, be, be between or among us in Vermont, it's about knowing the people we serve, K to 12, 
We want to see if we are really serving our children who come in with disability that we don't know how to handle them because some of us, we don't even have the name for the type of disabilities that we have. In my language, we don't have what we call dyslexia. So if, if a child comes in and you pull such a child out that you are on IEP, that child has no idea, or even the parents do not have the, 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 the content, what you are calling IEP. So this is a cause that we have open discussions, mm -hmm. open analysis, critical thinking, and bringing them back to their root to know that you might want to be more culturally responsive more culturally competent to work with the people on the ground so that we can make the change that we talk about. So global disability studies is, is all about learning more outside the United States and then connecting it to policy and practices on the ground. Nice, nice. Thank you. There was, and there was one more thing I wanted, to, um, wanted you to emphasize too. I remember looking at your syllabus that there's this optional piece where students, once they take your course, they could travel to Ghana to work? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the course is online, mm -hmm. which is asynchronous, which is like everybody's expected to do this work within his or her time, which one strong framework that I'm using, which I should have even talked about earlier, I'm trying to use the UDL, uh, um, Universal Design Learning, connecting it with what we call Ubuntu, the community life of people with uh, African generations, especially to see how we can look at Africans uh, as much as they are connected in everything, but where we got disconnected from everything, you know? And then American system, which is individualistic already and trying to disconnect from so many things. So in terms of UDL, trying to bring all together with Ubuntu, making sure that Things that we talk um, mean the same to us as we align them to policies and practices. Now, if we are able to go through all this very much genuinely, uh, diligently as a class and everybody plays his or her part very well, there will be that taste. I, I, I know very well that the, the taste or they will be thirsty of mm -hmm going to see this practically on the ground. Mm -hmm. They will be trying to connect their feet to those grounds that we talk about. So there is this piece of traveling outside the US, mm -hmm. uh, uh, which might be open to people who want to in the future after taking this course, uh, what I call the study abroad program, which can be an exposure for people who want to learn about disability and education in the ground in Ghana, which is very much a very secure place, a safety place for them to have um, to have a feel, to touch base with what we call about call disability and poverty, disability and education, disability and policy, disability and anything that you want to work on, especially and valuing and accepting or appreciating what you have in the United States. I know some people don't know what they have. They have no idea the value of the things that they have here, so they don't add any importance to it. If you have that paradigm shift and know that 
people are still crawling on the ground and mm. going to school. And as they go to the school, they don't have access to bathroom. They have to crawl to the bathroom to ease themselves. I mean, mess up in somebody's pee. I did that. I went through that myself. Mm. Those days that I was going, I started school crawling when I didn't have the braces immediately. I needed to go and walk into somebody's pee before I pee myself. And that is a situation that we go through, but we made it to uh, this level of PhD. That is the piece that when you go down there and see life um, with your own eyes and you see how the people are very much passionate about changing things in their lives, changing things in their situation, changing things and holding on to uh, in universal instrument, um, what the global um, environment is working on, like UNCRPD. When you come back, you will join the, 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 the movement and say, we need to ratify this particular convention as a, universe, uh, as, as a, a whole American issue. And that is the piece that we must try to now think collectively because anything that affects anybody, as we say, global village now, it affects us too. So I think that piece of it, traveling outside, will be a great piece for me to lead people who want to do more about disability and just have another contest and see and, and do that type of comparative analysis and bring out some critical thinking at the end of the day, we can make the changes that we want to. Wonderful. That's so wonderful. I really enjoy talking with you, Sifakor. This is great. This is really a treat for me. Thank um, you. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. I must say this is a great privilege for me also to um, have this chat with you. I know we have been together for so many times, but if nothing crops up around this, we don't talk about these things, you know? And I know when I'm talking about this, I, 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 I go back to my, my memory lane and I become so passionate at times. And that mm -hmm. is one thing about yeah, living the disability and working towards the change that we want. So thank you so much for this great exposure. I really um, appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You've been listening to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a series of conversations by, with, and for Vermonters with disabilities. We've been talking and listening to Experiences with Disability in Vermont, the Green Mountain State. The music for our show is by Soul June, an audio library release. This show is a production of the Center on Disability and Community Inclusion at the University of Vermont. You can find out more about the center by visiting go.uvm.edu slash cdc. I. Thanks for listening.